This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. If you can't walk out of last night understanding that the Eagles are just the best franchise in the league right now, I don't know what you're looking at. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. They are separated from the rest of the league, Joe, by things that they are able to do in taking chances on guys, but also just the smart moves and the development of players that they have managed over the years. And the philosophy has started with one thing, and that is build from the out or from the inside out and it has happened with their offensive line and defensive line and everything else has been complementary to that and that has been an incredibly solid winning formula for the Eagles the last several years it's gotten them one Super Bowl and it's going to get them another one you watch last night they're not even playing their best right now and they're 3-0 I mean Howie Roseman who was their general manager. Now he's, I don't know, maybe president, CEO. He's the one pulling the strings here. He's the one calling the shots. He's the best in the business. He's the best in the business at building a team. People can sit there and they can say, well, you know, Kansas City's won more Super Bowls over the last few years. Kansas City's done an excellent job. They hit on Mahomes and they hit on the head coach. And they've been able to ride that and build around that. And they've done a fantastic job. But what Howie's done is something that, the Bears and the Jets and the Chargers and the Cardinals and all these bottom feeders who just cannot get out of their own way should be looking to. It's just stability and consistency, right? The Steelers are like this as well. And I know people point out, oh, well, Kenny Pickett's not playing great. The Steelers aren't that good anymore. The Steelers are consistent. They've had three coaches since the late 60s. The organization doesn't panic. They hire good people they give them a wide berth to do their job, and then they let them do their job. That's how you'd ultimately want to run a business. You don't want to meddle in everything as an owner like Jerry Jones. You don't want to leave it to incompetent people like the McCaskey family in Chicago who just can't figure anything out. One minute they're going with a defensive coach, the next minute they're going with an offensive coach. There's no identity there. Howie's been the guy in Philadelphia for a long time. As a result, he's got trust, but more importantly, he's got job security. And when you have job security, you have the ability to take some risks. And that's where Jalen Carter comes into play. There were a lot of teams that were not going after a guy like Jalen Carter because there was risk there. There was, quote, off-the-field issues or character concerns or work ethic issues, whatever it is. The Eagles could take that gamble. They're a good team. Howie can swing and miss because he's hit so many times before. And guess what? Because he was able to take that gamble, it turns out Jalen Carter is now the favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's even money, Carlin. The guy was a beast last night. You watch him play, and you can't help but wonder how did he get to nine, but we know how it happened, exactly as you just described. We look at guys like Devontae Smith, who was on the smaller side, and everybody felt like, well, he's not going to be a big-time receiver. How's that working out? We look at Jalen Hurts, who, listen, there have been a lot of um, discussions over the last couple of years about who really was responsible for drafting Jalen Hurts, whether it was Howie or whether it was Doug Peterson, because Doug wanted to bring somebody in to compete with uh, Carson Wentz at the time. Whether it's revisionist history or not, he's here, and the guy who ultimately calls the shot on the draft is Howie Roseman. So 
the Eagles find themselves in this position because they have continued to take chances in those spots because of the success they've had in others. Of course, there's luck involved to it. But I do have to look at these other teams that you've mentioned. Why can't they get this right? Is it consistency? Because Howie Roseman's been there forever. He had to take a step back. They demoted him when Chip Kelly was there, and then they put him back into power after Chip Kelly got fired. Uh, Is it the fact that they have an owner who pretty much hands the reins to Roseman in every way? and really doesn't meddle as much as maybe other owners do. I don't know what you'd point to right now and say, this is the winning formula. Here's what I know. Guys who are billionaires like this got there not by sitting on their hands, for the most part. You've got, first of all, you've got the owners who are the sons of billionaires. (laughs) The guys who become billionaires because it's in their family. That's a nice life. I'm going to yes. go on record for that because it feels like you're about to take a shot at those guys, and they probably deserve it, but it's a hell of a life. If you oh, it's an amazing life, and I wish I had it. But you know yeah, what, Joe? Me too. One of the great pieces of uh, things I ever heard was never ask a rich man's son for advice. <laughs> never. <laughs> and it's completely true. And then you've got guys who are self-made. Neither one of those groups, because the sons of people that are or, or relatives of people uh, who were rich and bought the team in the first place they always have something to prove and the guys that got there always never got anywhere by sitting around on their hands and not getting involved so i think you've seen jeffrey lurie kind of sit back and let others do it where i I can tell you for sure woody johnson's been heavily involved in decisions the jets have made over the years right and they've been for all the wrong reasons and they find themselves in these positions because of it there's a confluence of events that put Philadelphia in a good situation. Howie's multidisciplined. He came up on the salary cap side, so he understands the collective bargaining agreement very well, so he understands how to structure contracts. But he also realized as he was working his way up, if he wanted to have a higher-ranking position, he needs to understand scouting a little bit, player evaluation. Doesn't mean he's an elite player evaluator, but he understands the multiple disciplines that go into being a good decision maker. On top of that, he came up under Andy Reid in Philadelphia, so you saw firsthand how something like that worked. He's been through some other coaches, and he's got an owner in Jeffrey Lurie who, and this is important, Lurie's not cheap, and he's also not hands-on. And that's really important because Lurie's successful in his life, but not because he was a football evaluator. What does he know about football? He knows how to own a team, but he also understands I never coached. I didn't play at the highest possible level. I should hire good people who know about this and let them do their job. That's what he does. Some of these organizations, you have decision makers like Jerry Jones, like Woody Johnson, like some of the owners get way too involved. And they're not football guys. They don't know. They didn't play. They they, they just want to be football guys. Right. What's the greatest example of all of them? Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. I mean, Mark Davis, Mark Davis being the son of Al Davis, you don't think he wants to try to make his dad proud, like to go out there and prove that he knows the game like his dad? Because his dad was a coach. Al was a, a major innovator when it came to the passing game. Like, he, he wants to do that. But, again, if you don't have that background, how are you going to make the decisions? So you've got to have an owner who understands he doesn't know everything. He also needs to not be cheap. This is a problem for the Chargers. This is a problem for the, the, the Cardinals. We're only talking 32 teams. 
A cheap team's not going to win. Cost-effective team can win, but cheap's not going to win. Incompetent's not going to win. Inconsistent's not going to win. That wipes out practically two-thirds of the league. When you start an NFL season, you are not competing with 31 other NFL teams. You're competing with maybe 11 or 12. That's it. The rest of them can't get out of their own way. Yep. And, and it's just to follow up on the cheap point, it's not even that because it, it is that, but it's also understanding just where to put the resources as opposed to spending the resources as well. Because, you know, listen, the cap, they're all within each other. You know, they're all within shouting distance of the cap by the time the season rolls around anyway. But that doesn't, it's not like, there's not that disparity that exists in baseball. But what I think more than anything is that you're going to let people do their jobs. You hire people who are football people and let them do their jobs. And that's how you can go and be successful. Not all of them are great. Not all, you know, you have to let them go. You have to let some stability exist. Why has Pittsburgh had all the success that they've had over the years? They've had three coaches in 50 years. Steady. They're steady. <laughs> yes. Look at Seattle under Paul Allen. Uh, you know, Microsoft, Microsoft founder, deceased. But when he owned the Seahawks, he did like one press conference a year. He would invite, invite all the local media in, and it would be the one time a year you could talk to him. Is it because he was a jerk? No. He's not a football guy. He owned the team. John Schneider is the general manager. Pete Carroll is the coach. Go do your thing. That's it. I'll talk to the media once because you don't really need to hear from me, but I think you do, and it's probably important that once a year I'm available. So he'd be available. I had a buddy who used to go to it. It'd be catered. You'd sit down. He would answer all the questions. It would be a nice time, and then that'd be it. He didn't have to spend any other time with the team because what was he doing? He was writing the checks. He understood his role. He owned the team, and he let the football player make their decisions. The football people make their decisions. And you know what? It worked out pretty well for Seattle. Legion of Boom had a great run. Pete Carroll and John Schneider are still there. And guess what? Seattle was in the playoffs last season, and they're trending towards the playoffs again. It might not be viewed as some elite organization because they're not stacking trophies, but it would be so much more fun to root for Seattle than it would Arizona. It'd be more fun to root for Pittsburgh than it would be the Jets, right? Like, yep. if you were an alien coming down to Earth and you had a chance to pick one of the 32 teams, there's a bunch you're not going to want to choose. You're going to want the team that is gives you reason for hope every year. Every year in Pittsburgh, you have reason for hope. It's great to be a Steeler fan. You're one. I'd have to imagine you feel quite good about your selection. Yeah, yes. I feel fortunate because I don't even feel like it was a selection. It just kind of happened. Right. That's how we become fans. It's not even I look at a team and say, I'm going to be a fan of them. It just somehow gets ingrained into us. And it just happened to be the first game I ever went to. If a jet game was the first game I had ever went to growing up in the tri-state area, eh, I'd be yearning for, you know, the, the days of what we saw with Mark Sanchez. Would you still be alive if you had been a jet fan? Would the stress have killed you? Would the stress have killed Carl. you? <laughs> That was one of the great episodes. <laughs> the Jets killed Carl. They finally did it. <laughs> and a little bit of the Knicks. <laughs> then, yeah, there you go. God bless the Knicks fans out there. They are some of the best fans in the world for what they have gone through and how they just continue to show up and support that team at every single turn. Some of the absolute best in the business, man. Just quickly, did you see the comment that James Dolan made last week? I don't even like owning teams. <laughs> What, I, I, Evan cut cut you off. I didn't even hear what you said. He was too busy he, he, talking about sympathy. The comment that James Dolan made last week. No, I did not see I don't it. even really like owning the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's what you want to hear. How could you possibly not like that? There's a bunch of stuff I don't like. Owning a team like the Knicks, I would probably enjoy that. Yeah. I, I, owning any team, I would enjoy Seriously, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFL? And should the Bengals be playing Joe Burrow right now? 888-SAY-ESPN, lines open for you. We will hear from you in just moments. Also, why two teams made a massive mistake with the same pick. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 8. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. These past couple of weeks have made me appreciate the little things in life, like being able to play this game. So, you know, every opportunity I get to go out there and play, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to play my artist and just thank God for giving me the ability to play. Nothing has ever been better in sports than us against the world. And that's what the Bears had the opportunity to do, and it went completely the other way. They went out and made all those additions in the offseason to get better, and they might be worse. Like, that's hard to do. At least they'll have Caleb Williams if they want him. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, let's get to it with a couple of calls at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Max is in St. Louis, up next on ESPN Radio. Max, what do you got, buddy boy? Hey, guys, love the new show. I uh, am a fan of a completely degenerate franchise, the Bears. (laughs) And I think the Bears should trade Justin Fields for Zach Wilson and let it happen. Oh, oh man. Oof. That's, I mean, that's self-loathing right you there. You talk about degenerate. That's chasing it, boy. <laughs> that, that's chasing it on a late Sunday night, isn't it, Joe? Let me get the fourth quarter over on the Sunday night game. I don't laugh because I do that regularly. So I, I know. Don't find, we all I don't do. find a lot of humor in that commentary. I <laughs> 
I understand, but that's not a way to run a franchise. My wife is just so acutely aware of when I'm in, uh, let's call it gambling danger, yeah. because of the Sunday night game suddenly taking on so much more importance than she's heard about all week long. She'll hear about <laughs> games I'm interested in, you know, because I talk about this stuff and she pretends to care. God bless her for that. But I'll be mentioning, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State this weekend, all this stuff. I might say nothing about what's happening on Sunday night. And suddenly I couldn't tune out the rest of the world more (laughs) than I am for that game. And she knows exactly why. And she will just get as far away from it as possible. What is the the worst that you have ever felt like when you were chasing like along? I'm not we don't need to get into dollar amounts or anything like that, but just like. I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> oh, it's like a, you know, it's like a 500 way tie. There's no one. It's right. just the thing right. is, I'd rather when you chase on a Sunday night game, there's something to that. The problem is when you're chasing in the summer and it's like you're chasing baseball into some Sunday night baseball yeah. game that you know nothing about. That's when you really have to look in the mirror and think, did this Reds Brewers game mean that much to me? <laughs> How did I let Reds Brewers dictate this much of my life at this point in my life? That's where you look in the mirror. Like, you know, if the Dolphins are playing the Broncos and that's on Sunday night, hey, it's Sunday night football. We're chasing our NFL losses. So be it. But if it's a if it's a nice warm day in early August and you're wrapped up in Marlins Pirates, that's that's the type of thing you got to go to therapy for, which I do every Wednesday at 10 a.m. local time. It's nice that you have a set schedule on it. I actually I, I come right in do and, that yet. I have therapy, but it, it could be really any time. You got to get it locked in. It used to be 10 a.m. local. It's not anymore because we started the show, so I had the bump to the afternoon. But thankfully, she is available, and she very much enjoys the, the, the show that is the Joe Fortenball appointment every <laughs> single week. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80 at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFL? Are the Bears just completely lost with where they are right now, and can they find their way out of it? On the field's front, listen, I, I get the pain. I've heard people bring up the notion about fields to the Jets. You can't, if you're the Jets, you can't go and bring in somebody that's exceptionally young and is a bit of a project right now. This is we're trying to save the season and or at least give ourselves an option or two to remain competitive. That's not a position you want to put somebody like Justin Fields in. No. What you want to do in Chicago is probably get ready to blow it up again. And you want to start the idea of getting it right. The first thing you got to do if you're Chicago, stop thinking about defensive-minded head coaches. There's a problem with defensive-minded head coaches. Number one, they don't know offense, which is what the league is all about right now. That doesn't mean they don't know anything about it, but they're not offensive minds. They have to go out and hire a good offensive coordinator. The problem there is twofold. That coordinator will either be not good at his job, and that will sink you, or he'll be good at his job, and then he'll leave for a head coaching job, and you'll be back where you started. Go to the offensive side of the ball. Look at the Shanahans, the McVeighs, the McDaniels, the LaFleurs, all those guys from the same coaching tree. Find a guy that knows how to design plays, that knows how to call plays, and that has some leadership potential, some leadership qualities. A younger guy that can possibly be in touch with the locker room. Bring him in. Then draft a new quarterback and let that guy develop the quarterback. That, that, that's it. Yeah. There it is right there. That's well, how you start the path to respectability. As and you think you about have, this, but as you think that? about this right now, think about this right now. 
If you had to ask, who do you think feels like they made the bigger mistake right now? The Bears trading away the pick or the Panthers taking Bryce Young? Oh, who made the bigger mistake? Yeah, who made the bigger mistake? I, uh, I, I don't think people are going to like this one. I think it's the Panthers. I think the Panthers made mm. the bigger mistake. I think the pa- first of all, C.J. Stroud is killing it in Houston right now. Yeah, C.J. Stroud through three weeks has a better quarterback rating than Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, and Trevor Lawrence, among others. C.J. Stroud has not thrown an interception through three games. First rookie quarterback in NFL history to not throw an INT in any of his first 110 passing attempts. Like, his first 110 passing attempts didn't feature an INT. That's never happened before for a And the last time I checked, he doesn't have the Eagles' offensive line. He does not. He doesn't even have great weapons around him either. It's going to take time. But he looks good. His teammates are bought in. Carolina passed on him for Bryce Young, and everyone said, you know, this guy's going to be an injury concern. He's too small. They said they don't care. He's already hurt. Like, he's already hurt. Now, Chicago, people will say, no, you're crazy. Chicago should have kept the pick. They should have drafted... Stroud, because they weren't going to take Young. He's too small. I get it. The thing is, Fields showed just enough last year. You had to give him another year. You had to give him another year in this system to see what you had. Unfortunately, you don't have anything. But that, that I would have thought that would have been a bad move by the Bears to have moved on after what you saw last year. Because you didn't put anything around him, and he still showed you some potential. It just turns out that now that he does have stuff around him, he's just not good enough to make it work. I honestly look at it from a bear standpoint. I I don't think I could have done anything different. I can't look at it like I made a huge mistake. No. The only way is if somebody in that front office really was in love with C.J. Stroud. I, look, I don't want to pat myself on the back here primarily because I can't reach that far, but I'll do it anyway <laughs> metaphorically. And I'll just say this. Stroud was my guy all along, and it was primarily because – of the accuracy and the size and the leadership that we saw in big situations last year for Ohio State. I mean, where is Ohio State right now without C.J. Stroud? You know? I mean, Kyle McCord has not exactly looked like the guy. They can talk about winning the other day all they want. That's not the same Ohio State team. So I was big on him to begin with, but if I was the Bears, how could I possibly do that with Fields off of last season? I couldn't justify it. Right. Now – if I'm the Panthers, I, I tend to say I'm with you. Because if the Bears, if things go bad enough, they could be right back in that spot. They could be right there looking to make the trade to be able to get and, and pick up a... If they don't end up in the number one overall pick, there's certainly more than enough there to work with to get the number one overall pick with the assets they have. If you're the Panthers right now, mm, bigger problem is if you're going to roll the dice with a guy who could be injury prone, you can't do it with that offensive line. No. You hear this all the time. What you're about to hear from me isn't exactly a unique concept, but you go get the quarterback, and then you protect the quarterback, and then you find the guy who can rush the quarterback. That's what you do. That's Philadelphia. They have a great offensive line. The quarterback's behind it. He's doing well. And then they go pass rush. Like crazy. Like that, that, that's it. Figure those three things out and then fill in the dots on the rest of them. You don't need the all world safety, the all world outside linebacker. It's not to downgrade those positions. It's just if you build up the offensive line and make it capable, you're going to be able to A, run the ball and B, protect your quarterback. That's huge. If your defensive line 
is a solid unit, you're going to be able to stop the run. You're going to be able to get after the opposing quarterback. Too much focus sometimes on an all-world safety or a cornerback position. And these are all important positions, but start small. Don't try to win at every position. Win in the trenches, get a decent quarterback, and go from there. You can build out. You can build out. The Panthers trading away a wide receiver, their best wide receiver, so they can trade up to get a quarterback who has no weapons around him and a terrible offensive line, and then the guy gets hurt. Well, what did you think was going to happen? He was an injury risk coming in. You did nothing to make sure he wouldn't get hurt early, and then he got hurt. Like, this is going to be the plight of the Carolina Panthers. We've got the very latest on the Panthers' young quarterback in just moments when one of our NFL insiders joins us. We'll also find out what the Jets signing Trevor Simeon says about Carson Wentz. That's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on your smart speaker. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to get that kid off the field. They have to. He can't play. I mean, this is a disaster. Zach Wilson is, whether it's his fault or not, he is the biggest reason. They have to do something about it. He no longer gets the benefit of the doubt based on what he did last year, some of the things that he said after embarrassing performances that put the team in bad situations. I don't believe in him. I don't believe he has a future as a good player. And I think they made the wrong choice when they drafted him. I feel that way. You lose Broadway Joe, you're really up the creek. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's welcome in our ESPN NFL reporter, Dan Graziano, who joins us right now. Uh, Dan, just a brief update. I am still feeling uh, fat, sassy, and spoiled from last uh, we last spoke uh, last week. I know you were concerned about that. No, I mean, I don't know what would have changed. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, but that matches my expectation. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) I'm glad that you were sleeping well at night, not concerned about that. Uh, Dan, what does the Jets signing Trevor Simeon mean in the grand scheme? Uh, Not a ton. Yeah. (laughs) Look, it's a depth move, right? Like, it's... He, he, he's got a little bit of familiarity with, with some of the offensive concepts they have. And, you know, look, if, if Zach Wilson isn't viable, then, you know, they need other options. And right now you cannot go out and swing like a franchise-altering deal for a, you know, an established veteran starter. They're not out there. Teams aren't willing. You know, the Vikings aren't ready to give up on their season and trade to Kirk Cousins, right? Like, 
So this is this is they obviously don't want to put Tim Boyle in a game, or, or they or they would have <laughs> by yeah. now, uh, because Zach Wilson certainly given them every opportunity to do that. But uh, yeah, he's, they they need bodies at the position, and they need options in case it continues to look like it's looked. What does this say about Carson Wentz? Was he ever even in consideration for the Jets? I think it's like a depends who you talk to kind of situation, but I, I never, I never had the feeling they would sign him based on anything I know or I was hearing, and and uh, I still don't think they will. Um, like they have to consider all options, but you know some of the issues with bringing in a quarterback midseason involve you know having to taking the time to teach him the offense and and all that stuff. So. Uh, you know, Wentz is a guy that has struggled with health the last couple of years, hasn't been super effective the last couple of years. And I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think he profiles as their favorite option. So they really, they'd love for Zach Wilson to, to show improvement and they still hold out some hope that he can, but um, yeah, they're running, running low on time. So a quick follow-up to that then, if Wentz wasn't even in consideration for something like this, do we think his career in the NFL is over? I mean, it's a, it's a position where there's scarcity and then teams are always looking for help. Like, if he's not on a roster, then, you know, there's two possibilities. One is his expectations don't match up with what teams have to offer, i.e. he wants a shot to start. Um, but but two, and it kind of dovetails off of that, is, is teams don't view him as a starter anymore. So, you know, he had the shot in Indianapolis with his coach, with Frank Reich, and uh, he had, it didn't work out. He had the shot last year in in Washington, which was a real a real shot. I mean, they they you know they brought him in to start, and it didn't work out. And, and I think you know that's three teams that have kind of soured on him. And and I think that's that's not the kind of thing that sets you up for. I mean, how many chances should he get? Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us. Dan, how concerned are the Panthers right now about Bryce Young after? the ankle injury. I mean, yeah. this happens just a couple of games into his career, and this was one of the primary concerns for him coming out of the draft because he didn't necessarily have the build of a guy that was right. going to be able to stay durable. Yeah, I, I think they they, saw, they believe it to be like a one- to two-week injury, so it's possible he even plays this week, and and, and certainly the hope would be next week if not. Um, you know, I, I think they're I think they're, they're prepared to hear it, right? The um, C.J. Stroud's playing very, very well, and, and Young has not, and, and I think they're, they, they know what, what comes with that in terms of what people are going to say. But it's two games, and you know they definitely believe in him. Uh, everything we were told all offseason, it was that you know this, is, this guy's lived up to everything they, they thought he would be. They feel like they need to protect him better, but they're not going to make any panic decisions based on two games and one ankle injury. And again, it's not too severe an injury, and, and uh, I don't think they expect to be without him for very long. And, and they would tell you that it's too soon to make any sweeping judgments about um, whether, they, whether they made the right or wrong pick at the top of the draft. Packers now two and one after their comeback win yeah. over New Orleans on Saturday. You were or Sunday, excuse me. You were in Lambeau for Jordan Love's performance and the comeback win. I mean, what are we thinking here? A lot of guys have been hurt in Green Bay, and yet they're still two and yeah. one, legitimate contenders for the division. I would think so. I mean, look, Thursday will tell us a lot, right? They got the job. Sorry, they have the Lions on a short week, and that's the team that I think a lot of people picked to win that division. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a big game for them, but I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, 
You're absolutely right. They haven't had Christian Watson yet this year, and he's their best receiver. Uh, Aaron Jones has been out the last two games, and he's their best running back. Those are their two sort of home run hitter, explosive playmaker types on the offense, and, and Love managed to win Sunday's game without them, being down 17 nothing with 11 minutes to go. The defense really stepped up, but after the game, you know, the coaches and the players were just talking a lot about how Love kept his cool and maintained his poise. Now, you know, if you dig in behind the numbers and, and the, the analytics and the advanced stats and the completion percentage over expectation and all that kind of stuff, it shows that Love, you know, probably isn't performing at exactly the level that the, you know, the touchdown and interception numbers might indicate. But, uh, yeah, he's getting it done. And what he's also doing is, is building trust with his teammates who – you know, who seem to believe in him. And, and one of the things Matt LaFleur said after the game was, you know, I think one thing we know at this point is everybody in that locker room would fight for Jordan Love. And, and the way the players were talking backed that up. So um, he has talent. And I think, you know, consistency of performance will come with time. And obviously with the help of getting his playmakers back. But that's a big win for a young quarterback. I mean, they were, they were, they were dead in the water. And, uh, and he came back in the fourth quarter and, and, um, definitely something to build on. Dan, great stuff. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. My pleasure, guys. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Deion Sanders has been the talk of college football, and it's all been a very positive thing for the sport, but there is one major problem with it that nobody is talking about, and we will tell you what that is and why it's a big problem next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We have not played a complete game. We have not played a game where the offense, defense, as well as special team has all shown up in the same manner. Everything about the story is just compelling. And at every turn, he's got a new chapter for us. And it's like more compelling than the last. As they start to move into Pac-12 play, the emphasis is going to be less about the elite skill that they have at wide receiver. And teams are going to force them to play more in a phone booth and expose what is a questionable offensive line. There's no doubt that teams are gearing up for Deion Sanders and for Colorado. We've seen a lot of that with what happened this past week with Oregon. But there is a a very negative part of this for Deion and Colorado that nobody's talking about. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. So, Joe, earlier today, the University of Oregon, uh, their football program, put out uh, just kind of a, a movie video of winning the game the other day. A lot of a lot of football programs do this on social media, where it's like kind of a five-minute build-up, a mini-film, if you will. And on this mini-film, there's all the talk about Colorado leading into the game. And we know about the pregame speech from Dan Lanning the other day about how they're doing it for clicks and we're doing it, you know, for wins. But there is... A, Video of Shiloh Sanders, one of Dion's sons, talking smack before the game, saying, we're going to kick your ass, and not just yours, but your, your coaches too. And the talk is ramping up. And, of course, the video shows Oregon not even answering back to any of it, right? Who knows if some of them actually did. You wouldn't see that in the video. But we have already seen Travis Hunter take a cheap shot on the sideline 
and he lacerated his liver and is out for a couple of weeks. All of the bravado and the buildup and Dion and everything that is built up in the flash of what Colorado has become. Everybody talks about being having a target on their back. Yeah. But what they're really doing, Joe, is kind of opening them up, opening up teammates, opening up themselves, whether it's the players or, or Dion's actions uh, in what he says, opening up the players to taking to getting hit with cheap shots, to getting hit out of bounds, to getting you know shots that wouldn't necessarily happen during games because you're con- because those teams are so fired up to take out their frustrations on you because you're getting all of the attention and you're running your mouth before the game you're really putting your teams in harm's way quite a bit and it's dangerous and it's something that is not being talked about enough here and i would think something that really has to be a big concern for Dion when he tells Travis Hunter, I'm not worried about you in this game this week. I care about you a lot more than I care about this game. And I, I believe Dion when he says that, but there is this negative side to it that's not being talked about enough. Two sides to every coin, right? On one side, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of swagger. There's a lot of confidence, a lot of talk, a lot of bravado coming out of Boulder. It's drawn a lot of attention. It does great ratings. It puts a lot of people on your campus. It puts a lot of admissions into the department. It's a lot of attention. It's been very great for the organization. But to your point, there's another side to that coin. Colorado is not sneaking up on anybody. This is how I look at it. Your point, valid. But also, like, Oregon never would have cared about this Colorado game if it wasn't for all this noise that they're making. Not not at all. Oregon's got bigger things to worry about. Oregon's got to worry about USC, Utah, Washington. Oregon's got big games on the schedule. A home game in September against Colorado, one of the worst programs in the country, would never cross their radar until you start making all this noise. Mm -hmm. And not just noise from a we're winning on the field standpoint, all the other noise that comes with it. Now you got a target on your back. Now you're not going to have the benefit of a really good team potentially overlooking you. We talk about this in the gambling world all the time, the look-ahead spots. You know, USC last week, getting ready for a big Colorado game, got caught overlooking Arizona State, and that game was much tougher than expected. I think they won by 10 or 14. They were 35-point favorites. Like, they struggled there. So now Colorado is going to see the other side of all this attention. It's not just the media and the fans and all the people giving you attention. It's your opponents. Like, they're not going to overlook you. So you're going to have everyone's best shot. But to your point, I get it. At the same time, though, this is how you disrupt. What are the other options? You're Colorado. You don't win. You don't have money. You have no one who's a four or five star that's interested in coming to your program. The way you change things is you disrupt. And this is how they disrupt. It doesn't mean everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, people are going to target you. Yeah, teams are going to be coming for you. But this is how you change the program because it's sure as hell better than sitting back doing what they had been doing, Carlin, which was nothing but losing for the better part of the last decade plus. No, I Listen, there's a difference, though, Joe, between disrupt and disrespect. And the video of what Shiloh Sanders is doing before the game, that's disrespecting the other team. That's fully what that is. That is inviting somebody else to take their cheap shots at you when they get their chance, and they're going to do it. You know, for Dion, he says after the game, after after weeks of 
you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to do this. I'm the greatest coach in all of uh, college football. Show me the mirror if you're going to ask me that question. Handing out sunglasses all over the place. And then after the game, you say, why are they out there trying to beat me? I mean, that's that's legitimately why you said they're out there playing the kids. No, dude, this is what you're doing. When we talk about putting a target on your back, it's not just putting a target on your back for the other team to come and beat you. It's putting a target on the other uh, on your back for the other team to come and try to hurt you. Like you get those kids fired up in an emotional sport to begin with where you have to get all ramped up. And now we've got this other kid out there saying, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to kick your coach's ass. How's that going to go? You know, I love most of what Dion has done, but if we don't at least acknowledge that when the bravado goes too far, it can be dangerous to your players. I think it's, we're doing an injustice to the situation. That's what's going on here. When Dion says all those things and we marvel at what's going on and we love every minute of it, which I do. Well, there's a downside to everything. Travis Hunter is seeing that right now. Uh, Joe, this kind of stuff continues. That brawl at the end of the Colorado State game, that's going to be nothing. That, that's going to be nothing. I mean, was the Travis Hunter hit that dirty? It was on the sideline and it was late. It was, it was it late. Was late by... The kids getting death threats after the fact. Is that good either? On that's either not, side, it's not good. That's not good at all. No one's ever going to say that's good. No, but that of hit, that's a football. That is a in-state rivalry game that was chippy from the beginning. There was a ton of animosity in that game. Right, and we see that every honestly, year. With, would there have been, to your point earlier, would there have been that much energy in it, even though it's a rivalry game, if all of that stuff hadn't been said beforehand? No one would have cared. No one would have cared if nothing had been said, but no one would have cared if Dion was there. None of us would have watched. I still yeah. think it's overwhelmingly good. Like they, they want to welcome this. They want to, it's a physical sport by nature. It's the same thing we see with UFC and with boxing. These guys are talking trash going in and they know they're going in the war. If this were baseball and you were talking trash and then a guy is going to throw a 105 mile an hour fastball at your head, that's where we can start to have a problem. The Travis Hunter hit while late, wasn't exactly the most egregious hit that we've seen All right, well, in, in, in sports. It's what it invites. There could be a more egregious hit because of that. You're going to tell me that somebody's not going to open up and take their shot on Shiloh Sanders when they get a chance in a situation I, I, like that? But it's football. It, isn't that going to happen anyway? I think it's going to ha- I think you and I both know there's a difference between it's football, guys can get hurt all the time, and the possibility of going after somebody. Because that happens. It, it happens. And I'm not, certainly not wanting to see it happen. I'm anticipating it based on what that discussion is going to be like, based on what we've seen so far. Well, I mean, from the Dion perspective, and then at the same time, it, it's not a great look when you show up at Outson Stadium and you're out there stepping all over the O at, at, at midfield. Yeah, that's Like, dumb. if you want to walk into an opponent's stadium the day before the game and you're going to trample all over that, you're just basically inviting them to put one on you. And that's exactly what they did. They put one on you that day. They yeah. beat you from pillar to post. They beat you in the trenches. They beat you all over the place. And now you got USC, which surprisingly, we haven't heard a whole lot out of Boulder this week in the no. build-up to the USC game, have we? No, and I, I think we haven't because they just get their tails kicked and they know it. 
and it's not going to get any easier this week. Physically, they are nowhere near matched up with USC. This Good Hands Moment of the Week brought to you by Allstate. With insurance from Allstate, you'll be game day ready every day. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Allstate, you're in good hands. We hear from Aaron Rodgers next. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 